Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Hot Takes from the Berg podcast. I'm your host, Jason Mitchner, joined alongside Ian Hatcher. Ian, we are less than four days away from the NFL draft, and we're finally getting this out here. Uh, before, But before we start our mock draft, how are you doing today? I'm doing absolutely fantastic. We've got sports are just, uh, in my opinion, some of the best uh, in some of their best points personally right now. I just love this season. The NFL draft season is one of my personal favorites. If you've listened to more than a couple episodes, you've probably heard heard me mention that or or make mention of that. So I always get very excited. And I'm obviously, as an Eagles fan, very excited for the two selections that they have in this year's draft. And uh, I love the scouting, evaluating, all of that. So I I get into these. And uh, I'm really, really excited to get into this with you, Jason. I am too. And... Starting off this mock draft with arguably one of the worst franchises on uh, the past few years, the the Jacksonville Jaguars, and it can go one of two ways. But we both, I think, we both agree here. Aiden Hutchinson going first overall to this Jags team. I, I think he's one of the best prospects, if not the best prospect in this draft. I think it's very, very clear between him, Trayvon Walker, and Kevon Thibodeau, but. I think Hutchinson has the highest floor right now. I'm not sure about potential, though. Yeah, I think you really kind of hit it on the head right there. Um, Aiden Hutchinson has is the number one pick for me as well because I think, for one, it's been talked about to a point where it has to happen with the re-signings of Cam Robinson or to re-sign Cam Robinson and bring in Brandon Sheriff. I think they've done enough to kind of bolster that, that offensive line, um, even though I'm not a big Cam Robinson guy. Still, I don't think you have, you have to address it with the number one overall selection. This is a deep overall offensive lineman class. So I think Aiden Hutchinson giving yourself a shot at one of those, you know, you mentioned the three big pass rushers right there. That Those names are going to be really coveted. So if you can get one of those guys, you're doing a hell of a job. And Aiden Hutchinson had the best year of college football by any edge rusher last year. Oh, no doubt. Uh, what, Heisman finalist? Uh, honestly, probably one of the best pass rushers I've seen come out of the draft since uh, the Bosa brothers, which I mean wasn't too long ago, but still like absolute freaking nature. Um, and now the the next second worst franchise in the NFL, um, the Detroit Lions. This is a real toss up here. Um, I mean you have quarterbacks like Malik Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, um. Maybe they trade down to get Sam Howell, but I think you have to go best player on the board, and that's Trevon Walker. Um, it's really a flip-flop who goes one or two. Uh, if Walker goes first, Hutchinson goes two. I, it's, those two guys are the one and two picks. Yeah, as much as I feel like that should be the case, I'm just not sold on it anymore. And if anything, I, I have Kayvon Thibodeau going with this pick. I would not pass him up. I wouldn't arguably pass him up at number one. If you really wanted to go edge rusher, then Kayvon Thibodeau would be my first off the board. I think we're getting a little bit fatigued on him. Or, and when I say we, I mean like the scouting community as a whole, because I did not understand it. he was 
the number one overall prospect uh, for a majority of the season. And then out of nowhere here recently, he's been slipping and, and falling and tumbling down boards. You see him sometimes he's drafted as low as 11, 10, 12 in that range. So I think there's a lot of fatigue when it comes to Thibodeau, but I think a lot of the thing that has kind of dragged him down a little bit, which they cite as character concerns, uh, cockiness, um, just certain things that they try to say, they say he loafs on certain plays. I don't see it. And, and when every time I've watched him play, he's looked the part of a, a, a monster, a specimen, a freak of nature athletically. I mean, I think this guy is really a, a lot better than a lot of people are giving him credit currently. And I think he has a great chance at being the best player in this entire draft class. So I haven't gone to the Lions. I don't think that the Lions will pick him but I do think he is among the top two players in this entire class. He definitely is up there. Um, I don't have him going here, uh, but number three, have the Houston Texans. I have Sauce Gardner. Um, I think I think the Texans really need help in that secondary. Um, since they lost Tyron Matthew, uh, Desmond King hasn't really worked out. They don't have that number one guy out there. And I think um, – Sauce Gardner can really be that guy for them. He can be that lockdown guy that you can put on number one receiver no matter what. I think he has that capability. He's a 6'2 guy, amazing speed, great coverage ability. I mean, no touchdowns allowed in any pass attempts in his entire time in Cincinnati. You can't just overlook that. I I, I love that pick as much as anybody, but my philosophy for a long time has been building through the trenches, especially for the, the point in the rebuild that the Texans are. Now, any team ever could use a corner. So to, having one is a huge, huge get, obviously. But to me, you they've said all the right things about moving forward with Davis Mills as, as the quarterback of the future. And to me, with a franchise like this, I mean, you could almost go the Jets route right here and grab yourself another offensive tackle. And with him and Tunsil, just kind of like shore things up. Excuse me, Tunsil's not there anymore. But to just shore up that offensive line for Davis Mills, I think would be a huge thing. And that's why I have them taking Evan Neal. And Evan Neal is – I have a little bit of questions about, you know, his frame and everything. I know everybody freaks out about it in a good way, but I I like my offensive linemen to have obvious muscle and to be as – skinny looking is does worry me a little bit but when you, as soon as you cut on the tape you forget about all of that because he, i mean he plays like a monster he played at alabama was playing against all those freaks in the sec and was really one of the best players you could point at to show how good other players were because when they when a good player would struggle it was usually because they were going up against evan neal and that was just what life was like for the edge rushers in the sec but he looks like a tight end, and he's an offensive tackle. I think you could do a lot of really creative things with him. He can use that athleticism really well. And he's so, so strong. It's not like he's he, he's not strong with the frame that he has. He's incredibly strong. And I think he could be the best athlete that I've ever seen at the tackle position. So I think the Texans right here could be looking at a player that is the face of your franchise as an offensive tackle. And that is something you don't hear every day. I definitely see that um, with Lurmy Tunsil departing from there. I can I can definitely see that, but 
I think when you have a guy like Sauce Gardner there for you, on the board, yeah, it's really hard to pass that up because I I think this is a very deep uh, O line class. I think yes, you're yeah. not going to get a guy like Evan Neal or um oh what's his name uh Akeem Akeem Akulu. Yeah, you're not going to get a guy like that, but you're going to get eighty percent of them in the second and third round. I don't think there's anyone like Sauce Gardner in this class. And it's perfect that you say that because at pick four, I'm now ready to talk about Sauce Gardner. And that, this is where I have him going. Now, honestly, maybe I worked this this a little bit into in a way because I've, I have been loud in liking what the Jets have done. Now, I haven't spoken too, too loudly about their quarterback. But either way, I, I know what Robert Sala wants to do. And really with this defense, and he's never shown a propensity to do something like this. So I'm really going out on a limb here. He, he doesn't, we've never seen that fact that he likes to invest through the secondary other than safeties. So I think Sauce Gardner is a bit of, maybe maybe a bit of a stretch here for what he may be looking for if he was going to go the defensive route. But I think if Sauce Gardner's on the board, he's, he's as good as gone if he gets here to the Jets at four. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I do think Sauce Gardner is one of the best prospects in the draft. My only gripe against him is that I wish that, you know, Cincinnati had more big games uh, because he played fantastic in every single game. But I found myself in a couple of them wondering if the, you know, if, are they playing someone as talented that as he should be playing was always the question. But he looked the part every time he was given the opportunity to play. Uh, you know, higher class competition. And I think that says a whole lot. Never allowed a touchdown. I mean, that's the definition of doing your job as a safety. And he had the athletic testing and has the size, I think, to back it up and be even better at the NFL level. I mean, the dude has some of the longest arms they've ever measured at the combine. And I just think the fluidity that he has to be six foot, I think it's like, I think he's six foot three or it's like six, two and three quarters. It's, he's a big rangy corner and he plays like it. He's not slow. He's not stiff. I mean, I really do think that whatever team takes Sauce Gardner is getting another 10 year player. And that's the thing with these players is when at the top of the draft, you can get a guy that you know is going to be good for a long time. That's the guy. Those are the guys you got to be taking. Oh yeah, no doubt. Um, for me, I think the cornerbacks keep going, and I have them taking Derek Stingley. Um, yes, they could go off into line help, but I think with them taking Lyavera Tucker and Makai Beckton in the past two drafts and Zach Wilson, I think they need to go defense here. They don't have a number one corner, and that's kind of the reason why you have them taking sauce, but they don't have that guy uh, after training Jamal Adams. They haven't really had anyone in that secondary that can really play that role. Um, I think their defense is just a little bit of away from, from truly being complete. I think a number one corner would really do them justice here. Um, like I, they could go Thibodeau, uh, but I think sharing up that secondary first would be huge. I absolutely agree with you. I mean, I had them taking the same position. My only thing is just with Robert Sala's, like, nature. When I think about him, I think about a hard-nosed guy. I think about a guy that just wants people that are going to knock 
people around. And as I, I don't think it's necessarily fair, but a lot of times when that's the case, you when you look at a guy like Sauce and you look at a guy like Derek Stingley, Sauce never allowed a touchdown. Stingley missed almost two seasons of play, uh, essentially. And now I know there were injuries that were connected and they affected his play as well. But still, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe um, Sauce might be a bit more of a, you know, a Robert Sala guy, but you didn't have sauce on the board. So, I mean, I can't critique you too much there. I think safe or the secondary is a huge need for them. So Derek Stingley helps them out a lot. And I'll talk about another reason why I think that was a good pick by you in a little bit, but um, now moving on to the fifth pick with the New York giants. This is where I have uh Kevin Stibadel going. Um, this Giants defense is lacking a lot. And Thibodeau is one of the greatest athletes in this draft. Um, yes, uh, his, his – and oh, no. Sorry, wrong thing. Um, the, the Pac-12, granted, it's not the greatest conference um, – doesn't take anything away from his ability. I mean, he he got through lines so easily. I mean, just watching him was insane. I think he would have done perfectly fine if he was in the SEC or the Big Ten. I think he would have flourished more as well um, because, I mean, the Pac-12 isn't exactly the most covered conference in football. Yeah, you, got, you can say that again. You can absolutely say that again. I think that would be another amazing pick. I, I, I gushed over, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau earlier, but I have I, – I know it probably pained both of us to do this as people who don't like the Giants, but I'll be honest here. The Giants are in a beautiful position with picks five and seven. And at pick five, I, and especially with the teams ahead of them, I think they could be in a really, really good position to, to take somebody that falls in their lap and – in this mock draft made by me, there's no way I did this on purpose because I would never let this happen. Somebody happened to fall to the Giants, and it happened to be Ika McQuanu, who is my favorite. He's probably my favorite player in the draft overall. Of all the top players and all the top prospects, I have the least amount of questions and worries. Like, Aquanu is going to play in the NFL for the next 10 years. If you don't like that, there's nothing you're going to be able to do about it because the way he plays football, he'll never not have a job. I mean, he really will be able to play as long as he wants. The guy is one of the smartest players on the entire field, had multiple Ivy League offers, decided to go to NC State to play in a bigger football level of exposure and ends up turning himself into one of the best offensive guards and potentially one of the best offensive tackles in this entire draft. There's nothing that you can't like when, when that's the case. Every team at some spot on their offensive line, whether it be uh, one of their guards or one of their tackles, could use Ika McQuanru. And that's why I think it's all going to come down to where he goes and, and who pulls the trigger on him. I, I think people might be viewing him a little low because they think that he will only play the guard position. I don't see that. I think he played fantastic as a tackle this last year at NC State. And while he was in this past year, there were some great edge rushers in the ACC. I mean, he got to go up against some really good players. So I, I thought he played really, really well. And I, I, he is the number one player to me. And I think his flexibility 
is is going to be huge. He can literally fill in wherever you may need him in, on the offensive line and could even set up to be your left tackle of the future because, like I said, I think he is, is perfectly capable of doing that. I mean, he's just a true mauler and one of those hard-nosed guys you want on your offensive line. I think he is potentially as good as Quentin Nelson if he sticks inside and plays the guard position. So, I mean, if that tells you how much I like Ika McQuanu, uh that's how much I like him. And I got him at five to the Giants. Are you here, Jay? Um. That's definitely a very interesting pick, and that will uh, I'll be talking about him in just a little bit. But um, now the Carolina Panthers, there's lots of debate for if they go QB here. Um, but I don't have them taking a QB just because of all the rumors with Baker Mayfield and all of that jazz, uh, the whole Robbie Anderson situation. But that's for another day. Um, I have them taking their franchise tackle here, and uh, that's Evan Neal. Uh, Evan Neal is an absolute monster at Alabama. And the, the Panthers have tr- desperately needed a, a guy to p- protect that blind side. They brought in Matt Khalil a few years ago, but with his injuries, never really worked out. Um, they haven't really had anyone out there. Um, so I, I truly, truly see them going here. Um, it, that's if Evan Neal falls here. Yeah. That, that's the thing with – I feel like this is one of the most, like, potentially dynamic years at the top of the draft, usually because of the, you know, quarterbacks and quarterback needs being so obvious. You can usually bet, okay, you know, here's one, here's three, and here's six, and you're kind of picking around that. You don't – I don't think we're really worrying about that this year with the, this quarterback class, but this will be where it gets interesting in the draft because I think were there to be – a top team to take a quarterback that without trading this pick, it would be the Panthers right here. I I think at six, that this is the earliest and this is where it could potentially get, you know, kind of crazy in that regard. Cause I think Matt rule. And I think this, this coaching staff in general is desperate enough because I think they've done a lot of things and they've been given a lot of hope and optimism that what they're doing is going to work out. And it has not yet. And with that being the case, I mean, there's the hot seat is real. I mean, that's the thing. And the only real thing that saves you from the hot seat is, is a quarterback. And I don't, with there not being a quarterback, I necessarily think is worthy right here. Um, I don't only think there's one that could even be debated to, to be picked here. But other than that, I think that the Panthers just need to pick the best available player. And, and that to me is Kyle Hamilton. I know he's been nitpicked a little bit as of late, but he is probably as potentially crazy as a safety as you could make. Now that he's not this insane athlete, but at six feet four, he plays like a, a, a legit linebacker. He's probably the best pack tackler at the tight end position or at the safety position, excuse me. And I think he is prototypes as one of the best tight end stoppers in the entire league. I mean, at six foot four, he is four times four, five, nine. I mean, that's faster than most every tight end we've ever seen. So I think he fits fine in that regard. Most of the time, safeties, uh, you're worried about them getting manhandled and, and, you know, abused physically. You don't have to worry about that with Kyle Hamilton. So I think he's gonna, he'd have a perfect role as a nickel player, as a safety player, 
I worry a tiny bit about him maybe over the top because, like I said, he's a limited athlete. He's not exactly uh, a, a super freak. But, I mean, with his height and playmaking potential and knowledge for the game, I mean, he is Notre Dame-level smart. I feel like all of their defenders are always very, very intelligent. He's going he's gonna to have a fine time in this league, and I think he's going to be a great player. He, he definitely can be good. I don't see him going this high just because uh, he, he has been getting it picked a lot, and that speed is definitely worrying at that safety position. If, he, if they move him down to the box and play him as a linebacker role, I can see it working out, but I don't know if he's big enough to play that kind of role. I Not like an Isaiah Simmons kind of role, but it, it's interesting to see where he's going to end up. I just feel like I, I'd say more than anything with him, I feel like he's too good to fail. How about that? Like, I don't know what he ends up, you know, potentially what role he ends up filling or or if he ends up working even in the first place that he gets drafted. But I know at some point, given, you know, I just know Kyle Hamilton will turn himself into a good player. However, it, it, it's done and he'll be a, a great guy that you want on your team. And that and I maybe is that worth the sixth pick? I don't know. It's not going to keep Matt Roll from being fired more than likely, but it's a good player. I definitely see that. Um, now on to the seventh pick, back to the Giants. And um, I have the same guy you have him taking, uh, Akeem Ekwonu. Ekwonu? Ekwonu. Ekwonu. Um, I mean, you already talked on him. I, it's, it's debated between him and Evan Neal, who's the top tackle in this draft. I think they could flip-flop uh, the the – Panthers take freaking uh, Kwunu and the the uh, Giants end up with Evan Neal. But, I mean, you can't go wrong with either of these tackles. I just have it going uh, Neal is the best. And Yeah. No, I, I don't – I definitely don't think you can go wrong. I just think with a Kwunu, you maybe you, – maybe you need more than just a tackle. Uh, I think, and I definitely think that could be the case for the, for this Giants team, which is why I think Aquanu makes so much sense for them. They have needs all over their offensive line, so hey, the guy who can do it all on the offensive line, other than center, which he could even probably do that, is probably the best fit for them. For me here at seven, I have a guy that most people are probably uh, throwing their arms up in the air and wondering how he hasn't been drafted yet, and that's Trayvon Walker. Now, I will admit that. Most other years, I'd have Trayvon Walker as a top three pick. I would have bought into the hype, and I think he will be a good player. I don't have him at seven because I think he's terrible. I have him at seven because I think he's overrated a little bit, just a little bit. Listen, he is the one of the best athletes I've ever seen coming off the edge. I mean, the testing, the numbers, the, all that. I mean, he's made in a lab exactly what you would want. I mean, even Thibodeau is, doesn't have that. Thibodeau, you even say, I mean, he's a little light. I mean, he's a little skinny. We need to bulk him up a little bit still. He doesn't play soft, but, I mean, he still could obviously carry more muscle. Trayvon Walker, he's coming in, and he has a job in the NFL day one. But with that being the case, the production still should be higher. And I know he played with great players at Georgia. That's even more of a reason as to why the production should have been higher. It wasn't like he was seeing double teams. That was Jordan Davis's job. That was Devontae Wyatt's job. That wasn't Trayvon Walker's job. I mean, every once in a while, a double chip, something like that. But he's got, he's got 
the potential to be one of the best because he's a run stuffer by nature and the pass rushing potential is through the roof. But will he ever get there is the question with me. I think it's already people are talking about him at number one, like it's already assumed that he will. I don't, I'm not, I can't assume anything. I, I can't assume this guy who through three years at Georgia got nine sacks is, is going to suddenly start reaching that clip every year in the NFL. Like every, every, every other scout seems to think that he just will. He'll definitely get better. But, I mean, he wasn't getting the quarterback a whole lot at Georgia. Uh, we'll, we'll need to see more of that. No, I definitely agree. I just think his skill set will transfer better to the NBA immediately than Thibodeau. I, I don't – I think Thibodeau definitely has the higher ceiling. Uh, but I think the the lines are going to go for a, a guy with the higher floor right now than someone that has the higher potential. I could see that. And, no, I do think Trayvon Walker is probably going to be made the picket to, to the Lions. And I think that is – similarly, when I was talking about Robert Sala and the guys he likes, Trayvon Walker is a Matt, is a Matt Campbell guy. I oh, mean yeah. – he will scoop him up faster than you can even think about it. I wouldn't be surprised if by the time the first pick is announced, he gets handed the card and is walking back on the stage to announce the second pick of Trayvon Walker. If the Jags don't take him, I mean, he is really, really one of those guys who's worked his way up this list. I I just think we should pump the brakes a little bit. He's a great, fantastic player. Great, great player. Is he I don't know. I, I just don't know. We'll have to see. Oh, yeah. Um, now moving on to the eighth pick with the Atlanta Falcons. They passed on a QB last year. I don't think they do it again. <laughs> I have them taking Malik Willis. Okay, let's go. I love this. It, now, granted, Malik definitely did not play the best competition uh, playing at Liberty. He has a huge arm. I'm not yes. the huge. I'm not the biggest fan of Malik Willis. I'm not the biggest fan of this QB class in general. But I think this is a Trey Lance kind of player. Huge, huge potential, but a boomer bust project. Uh, that's yeah. That is the perfect analysis right there uh, of Malik Willis. I, I think you hit it on the head today. I, I was. Exp- I literally. <laughs> was explaining this to my grandma today because uh, if I'm from Lynchburg, Virginia, and so obviously Malik Willis went to Liberty, which is in Lynchburg, Virginia. It's a very big talking point right now. It's a big thing for um, Liberty University. Overall, I don't particularly support Liberty University whatsoever, but it is a big deal for them. So, I mean, obviously it's being, it's talk the town right now. And I, I was explaining it to my, my grandma is 80 and so she's just kind of getting wind of this and she's like oh it's crazy and we were talking about it and I was like it's one of those things she's a big hokey fan so I was like I mean if you squint long enough and you watch him play you it looks like Michael Vick I was like that's kind of potentially what you're dealing with here I mean definitely in that same archetype he's slight he's also definitely strong I feel like he's a lot stronger that than Michael Vick was coming out of college. I mean, Malik Willis has got a strong base to him. I mean, he's kind of built, his legs are almost like tree trunks almost. He's definitely a, a strong guy, especially in the lower body. We saw him as a runner at Liberty in high capacity. I mean, he did, he did a lot of running at Liberty. And then the potential through the air is the thing that just leaves you with the, almost your jaw on the floor. 
I mean, he can really do some crazy things throwing down the field. I mean, you've seen it at up to 80 yards. It's honestly ridiculous. So I do think that this is a wild pick that you just gave the Falcons right here. A wild pick. Ever since moving away from Matt Ryan, I have no idea where they're going to be going. Obviously, it's it involves Marcus Mariota in some capacity this next year. But I agree with you. He's not the quarterback of the future. And I think they'll definitely be looking to take somebody in this year's draft. I tried to get them to do it last year, but, you know, they don't. They didn't listen to me. They thought with Kyle Pitts they were winning the Super Bowl. So they can go ahead and eat that one. But I, I have them taking Garrett Wilson. This is totally different. Like I said, this is a weaker quarterback class. And now you could pull the trigger right here with Malik Willis. Um, kind of go down that that you know, Michael Vick rabbit hole 2.0 almost. I, I kind of feel like that would be very, very interesting. But to me, with Calvin Ridley, I, I know he's suspended next year. I'm almost – I've almost reached the point with him that I don't know if he'll play another game with the Falcons based off how weird he stopped playing for them. And now the weird NFL suspension, it just doesn't seem all that likely to me. And last year you went and bested in Kyle Pitts, the wide receiver tight end. Uh, a dynamo why not get someone else out there and let Kyle Pitts just purely play tight end uh you can use him all over the field and you're gonna have to but the wide receiver position looks really really sad this next season no matter if it is Mariota playing quarterback he needs someone to throw to somebody and I think Garrett Wilson is far and away wide receiver one in this year's draft I don't think – I mean, there's a great wide receiver draft. Again, it feels like this is like the third year in a row I've said that. Garrett Wilson is not quite Jamar Chase, but is in that same echelon, I would say. I mean, he's a freak athlete with that has the physicality to boot. I mean, he's in that Debo Samuel, Jamar Chase. Like I said, I mean, there's just – C.D. Lamb is another guy I put in that category of just few guys in the league that are physical – and have that athletic quick twitch to them that allows them to separate, he's going to be a special player. Yeah, he he definitely is going to be a very good player. I'm a little bit later, but or not too much later, but um, moving on to the ninth pick with the Seattle Seahawks. I have Jermaine Johnson, the defensive end out of Florida State going here. Um, If you're the Seattle Seahawks and you're looking at the QBs you're going up against, you need guys with speed off the edge. Now, Matthew Stafford definitely is not the fastest guy, but when you have Kyler Murray and Trey Lance, now you're going to be playing two times a year. You need someone with speed. Uh, Jermaine Johnson's a, a pretty fast guy off the edge. Um, not the greatest pass rusher, only four sacks last season. Um, but I think this is just the best pick they can go. They could go off into line. Um that's about all else they could go. I mean, Trevor Penning is still on the board. That's probably the second best pick here, but I think the defensive end is, is the right pick here. Yeah, there's – I'll be honest with this with this Seahawks team. I think they could look to go in a lot of positions, and I'll be honest, I think they – I talked about the hot seat and the things like that and the motivating factors to take a quarterback – I'll be on. I, I, that's why I really liked you take had the Falcons taking Malik Willis because that is a really good situation. I mean, with Arthur Smith, 
He could definitely be looking to, to, to get a quarterback to kind of save his tail a little bit. But for me, no, I don't think he necessarily needs it. But if Pete Carroll would like to coach the Seahawks much longer, quarterback has to be the first place you address. And on my board, Malik Willis is there. He would be the pick for me with the Seattle Seahawks. You've won with a quarterback that played, I don't want to say a similar kind of game, but was a dual threat kind of a guy. You know that your coaching staff can get it done with that kind of a philosophy. And it didn't, it changed later in the years. I mean, Russell Wilson is a, a terrific passer, probably top three in the league almost. I love Russ, but Malik Willis is not going to be that, but he's going to be a, a, the, this is a draft pick where it's almost like a car. Like he's a Ferrari pulling into the parking lot. You can do a million different things potentially with this new Ferrari. And, and that's something that I think will help this offense. I, I think you need to capitalize on the good players that you still have. Cause I do think they're one of the teams that are, they were at one of those points to me where it's like you either something happens soon or all the wheels fall off. And this is my something soon. And, and I think this is, potentially one of the only few ways you keep Pete Carroll around for much longer. Um, and this team kind of stays on this trajectory that they've been on for a while. They, like you said, they, they have to compete in that NFC West and it ain't easy. Malik Willis, I think if things pan out is the only way that they are still competing in a couple years. That That is very fair. Um, I mean, if Malik Willis was still on the board, I would definitely take him. Yeah. Uh, but if if not, you're gonna have to stick with Drew Locke for a year because I think uh, Sam Howell, Kenny Pickett, it's way too high to draft them. Um, I, I don't think either of them are a top ten quarterback. I think Malik Willis is the only guy that has that kind of potential. Yeah. Um, but moving on to the end of the top ten, we have the New York Jets once again. Um. They need receiving help desperately. Um, I, I like Elijah Moore. He proved to be a really good number one uh, towards the end of the season. And I think they take a, a, a guy that you just talked about in Garrett Wilson. Um, absolute speed demon. He has incredible speed. Um, like you said, Debo Samuel kind of guy. I could see them using him in a Debo Samuel kind of role. Um, I don't know if Robert Sala, Robert Sala is that kind of quarterback to use him as a wide back, but I, I definitely could see him fitting into a role like that. But an absolute steal if they get him at 10. Yeah. Uh, I, for the same exact reasons, have them taking the same position. Different player. I obviously, if you don't remember, don't have Garrett Wilson on my board anymore. So I have them taking Drake London, who you said an interesting thing. You said Devo Samuel, and I think Drake London isn't going to profile as a Devo Samuel, but he could he could end up being the closest thing to Devo Samuel. I think Drake London is a total enigma. At first, he was that wide receiver that other people were like pounding their fists on the table, like this is the number one wide receiver in the draft. So I went into watching his, his game tape a little bit, like, pessimistic about him. I, I wanted to not like him. And what I saw was 
quite possibly the freakiest wide receiver potentially I've seen in a while. I mean, the dude is a former basketball player. He plays the position like it. You don't see him lose next to any 50-50 balls. It's more like 100 to nothing balls because he's just the, the, he's a basketball player. He's like six foot four, six foot five. I mean, goes up and gets the ball as good as anybody. Really kind of gives me, um, oh, I can't even remember, Brandon Marshall kind of vibes. Like a real physical kind of guy out there on the outside. Really adept at going up and getting it. Really, really sure hands, especially, like I said, for a basketball player. Can you believe that? But then also, the basketball comes into his game in another way. He's got excellent feet work. Has already come a long, long way route running and in that regard and positioning himself, being in the right place. And the, with the ball in his hands, he is my number one player in the draft after the catch. The things he can do, he's so physical with the ball in his hand. He really looks like he didn't grow up playing football. And now it's like, wait, I get to hit people? Oh, he just runs, tries to run through everybody. And I can imagine it's not it not being too fun to keep having knock heads with that guy. I mean, so, so good with the ball in his hands. I mean, I think he could potentially be one of the most dangerous players in the entire league. And he has such a perfect role for him. I mean, at the or excuse me, a perfect floor for him, which is the a red zone threat at his bear at his worst he would be i mean eight touchdowns a year eight times i mean potentially you know depending on who he's playing with i think you know the jets are also in a position to figure out if zach wilson's the guy you give him a wide receiver like this or garrett wilson and you'll know that answer pretty quick yeah uh drake london definitely is a freak in nature i have him a little bit later um just because, like, he, he was a basketball player. He didn't play football his entire life. Um, a little bit iffy there for the NFL stage, but, I mean, still just the freak athlete he is. It's going to be really, really difficult to for teams to pass up on him. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll let you take this next pick away because at 11, I, there's a lot of places you, you could go right here. I want to see. Uh, the, the Washington Commanders at pick 11, and uh, there is a lot of places we could go. Um, I, I think it's more on the offensive side. I think the defense is perfectly fine, as long as Chase Young re- recovers from his ACL tear. Then bringing in Carson Wentz, I think there's one place that I want Washington to go, and that's receiver. I know losing Brandon Sheriff was bad. But I don't know if I trust many of the top guards in this class. Um, the secondary is fine. Uh, Cam Curl, Kenan, Kendall Fuller. Um, oh, his name is slipping my mind. Uh, names are flipping my mind right now. I don't know why. I don't even know my own team. I'm such a fake fan. Um, but I think receiver, Jamison Williams. Now, I know he's coming off an ACL tear, which is a little terrifying. But I think his his natural ability that he showed last season is insane. I mean, what, 1,600 yards, 15 touchdowns. He absolutely lit up Georgia in the SEC championship. I mean, it's, it's really, really hard to look past this guy and not see a superstar. 
I mean, Alabama is one of the greatest wide receiver universities out there. Uh, now, one year wonder is a lot of people saying that. I don't see that. I think he's a really, really good pick here. And Washington's wide receiver core right now, Scary Terry is opting opting out until he gets his contract. Curtis Samuel was injured pretty much all last season. Um, Cam Sims is really the only other threat on this team. I mean, I like Dax Milne. I like um, Dimey Brown. But if you can get a receiver like James, like him, in this in this freak at 11, I don't think you pass it up. I, I really, really like that pick for you guys. I, I'll be honest. The way I knew that I liked that pick is I, I put it under the context. I was like, man, I'd be really pissed if y'all picked Jameson Williams. So that, that's how I know that would be a really, really nice pick for you guys. For me, I, I had another pick that I think I would be – I wouldn't instantly be that like, oh, yuck. But over time, it would pay huge dividends for you guys would be Charles Cross. I mean, I, I really think that this guy would come in. And I think so many – It's you guys are in one of the most unique positions because after acquiring Wentz, I feel like so many people are soured on him. I'll say it again. I still think Wentz is a good quarterback. I, and I think even last year, I think he had a better year than most people would consider. And now maybe I am absolutely – out of my mind, but I do think that's the case. And I think the commanders picking him up signals that they feel similarly because they know that this is a team that should be in the playoffs. And they know this is a team that is by all means ready. And this should be one of the last times you pick an 11. And with that being the case, I mean, first of all, pay scary Terry. There's no reason Terry McLaurin should not be getting paid. I don't care what team we're talking about, what, how many receivers you have, scary Terry, Terry McLaurin needs to be paid. Uh, that's point A. Carson Wentz, in terms of next year, how you could help yourself, I know him better than most. I, I'm an Eagles fan. He loves to hold on to the ball. He will hold on to the ball all day. He will wait for something to happen that just may never happen. And with that being the case, he could go – for having the best pass-protecting offensive tackle in this entire draft class. I mean, Charles Cross, you want to talk about what uh, Sauce Gardner did as a cornerback, never allowing uh, a touchdown? Charles Cross allowed one sack in three years of play. At Mississippi State, who runs an air raid offense, they throw the ball like every play. I mean, he is phenomenal. The thing about him is, how does he do against the run? And I don't I, – I may be wrong. I don't think Washington is the, like the most run heavy offense in the entire league. Now you obviously are going to want him to improve in those chops and open up some holes for Antonio Gibson, but I think he can get there. But for year one, I think there's few better players suited to help this team than Charles Cross with his pass protection ability. That is, that is a very fair statement. Um, I have Cross going a little bit later to a team that I think needs him a little more. Um, okay. Yeah. But I, I do like that. Um, I, I see him more as a tackle than a, a guard, but I think he could definitely play both positions. Well, I, I have him at tackle for you guys. I, I don't know what the tackle situation looks like for y'all, but I think this is a guy, like, for the future, you know? Yeah. 
Um, on to number 12 with the Minnesota Vikings. I have them taking Trent McDuffie. Um, their, their secondary is all over the place. Um, Pat Pete is getting up there in age. So is Harrison Smith. Um, they haven't really had a true number one corner since Xavier Rhodes left. I think McDuffie can come in and be that kind of guy. I think the only downside to McDuffie is that he is 5'11". Um, but I, I think he can he can come in and play really well for this uh, Vikings team. Uh, dude, I love Trent McDuffie. Trent McDuffie might be my favorite corner in the class and the only reason that it makes me so sad is that the Philadelphia Eagles are are, are kind of set at that nickel position and the the one reason why I think he's such a good player is because of his nickel potential let me let me save a little bit of him because I could talk all day about Trent McDuffie for me at, at 12 here for the Vikings I have them going the same route I, I just do have one player sliding that and this is I have him sliding for one reason I could see him actually sliding. Derek Stingley Jr. is a player that has long been renowned. It's crazy to think of a true fr- junior, excuse me, to be renowned as well. I guess technically he would be could be a sophomore with the COVID year if you wanted to look at it like that. But Derek Stingley Jr. is so well renowned, and he even still now is souring in the eyes of scouts. And it's because of what happened these last couple of years. I mean, yes, that freshman year, that, that, that national championship season was as good as any season I've ever seen from a quarterback. I mean, I'd put that up with Sauce Gardner. And to do that as a freshman is incredible. But the last two years, I know he was injured. It's worrisome. And a corner is especially as a position you're always worried about injuries with it. At least I am knowing the Philadelphia Eagles. So if, Knowing you've been plagued two out of three years by injury, I can't knowingly pick you but so high. It's even been so long since I've seen you play at a high level that it's not like you were injured freshman and sophomore year and then had an amazing junior year. That would be totally different. But I have to turn back the tape years to see you play phenomenal ball that justifies you even being picked here. So – I, I do think that some of the concerns surrounding Stingley are legit. If he plays the way he plays in 2019, though, it, all of this is out the window. He's a top five cornerback in the entire NFL. So he's one of the higher, the most volatile players in this entire class. And I am a bit worried about that. But here at 12 to the Vikings, they're a team that, that I, I do believe they'll take that chance nine times out of 10. I think they're that desperate for help on the boundary. And they've been that desperate for a while. I mean, they re- they signed Terrence Newman when he was like 40 after having played like 20 years with the Cowboys. So, I mean, they've been looking for help in this position. It is a similar thing with Patrick Peterson. He's not at the point that Terrence Newman was at, but and I still think Patrick Peterson has great ball ahead of him another couple of years. But still, I mean, those are the, they're relying on players that have soured out of other situations. They could go for drafting some homegrown talent at the cornerback position. Yeah, they they need cornerback help desperately. Just that secondary in general needs a lot of help. Now moving on to pick thirteen with the Houston Texans. Um, I think they need wide receiver help. 
Uh, if you want Davis Mills to be your quarterback, uh, you can't just have Brandon Cooks out there. So I have them taking Chris Olave uh, out of Ohio State. I, I think it's between him and Drake London who they go here. I, I think Olave is the more well-rounded player. Um, really good speed, 6'1", 185. Definitely needs to put on a little bit of weight uh, so a, a huge gust of wind doesn't blow him over. But uh, the Texans desperately need help there, and I, I think Olave can really help them out. And a, a one-two punch of Brandon Cooks and Olave would be dominant for downfield play. Oh, absolutely! You'd you'd put Davis Mills in a position <laughs> that any quarterback would be envious. Uh, I think very, very highly of Chris Olave, uh, who I will talk about in a little bit. Here for the Texans. You know, first of all, I had them taking Evan Neal. And, you know, I was thinking about that. That's that's the kind of pick I think that they need because I think they need to, at this point, you should be on a team that is just, you could really honestly use help everywhere. And just start going down and taking best player, best player, best player, best player. And you know what? While I'm at it here for a team that, you know, like I said, can just afford to, to do this, Jordan Davis to me is a perfect fit. I I, I really do. And I, I as an Eagle fan, I I would be kind of sad because I do think that they we are potentially a team that could be in on Jordan Davis. Um, we were even openly trying to trade Fletcher Cox at a point earlier. It, uh, he ended up coming back on a one year deal, but it seems like we're and I know our team well. We'd love to draft defensive line and offensive line. So. Would I be shocked? Not at all. <laughs> we took one of those one of those positions in the first round, even though it's not our biggest our biggest need. I mean, Jordan Davis is a I mean, and just incredible. The the best athlete you've ever seen at 330 pounds. I mean, he is the rare run stuffer that can also potentially pa- rush the passer with this freakish athleticism. There's so few players in football that can do that. That it's ridiculous. The worries about him. Why? Some people may be listening to this and thinking, why is he not a top five pick? If he if he's all that a defensive tackle is an important position. Well, I, there's a couple of reasons for that. For one, he only plays first and second down. What are obvious rushing down? Other than that, he's not, you can't keep him on the field in passing downs because. He is a little bit of a liability to getting tired. I mean, he's so big. If you can get him down to that combine weight, because, by the way, his combine testing, that didn't come at his 340 pounds, what he played at at Auburn, or at Georgia, excuse me. That came at three, I think he was a 320-something. He was was lower. So, I mean, if you can get him him playing like that in a league with that similar level of toughness, he will well exceed this position. I mean, you're talking about one of the best defensive – uh, players in, in football and that's what he showed in college football and I think that is potentially in line for him in the NFL but it's going to take you know the the right situation the right kind of coaches to push him I mean I, I do think you know he is one of those guys to me a coin flip of who you may get if you get him in the with the wrong team the wrong system the wrong kind of fit who knows what you get out of him but if you get him on the right team in the right fit you're looking at Maybe, like I said, the best player in this draft. Uh, I do think that could be coming out of Jordan Davis. He was Mr. All-Star for a Georgia defense 
that was incredible. One of the best in college football ever. So I think a lot of Jordan Davis. And here at 13 to the Texans, they'd be getting potentially the best draft haul in the entire draft. And, oh, yeah, it, we're only at pick 13. That is very fair. Um, well, moving on to number 14, and this is where I have Charles Cross going. The Baltimore Ravens. Um, man, have the Ravens' offensive line sucked since Yonda left. Um, Ronnie Staley has not been healthy. Uh, you trade away Orlando Brown. You need that left tackle to protect Lamar Jackson. And Charles Cross is that guy. Um, you, you need someone to protect Lamar. He is a scrambler. He one bad hit that could end his career. So Charles Cross being that blindside guy, I think he can do it. Yeah, no, I, I think you make a great, great point at that. If there's any reason as to why you, you should have, you know, increased protection, it's for a mobile quarterback and for someone that is so important to your team. I have them going a slightly different route. I just think there's been some attrition for the Baltimore Ravens kind of off the edge. And first of all, let me just shout out my boy again, Jason Owe, which that's not the name that he goes by anymore. It's now Odafe Owe, but he is so, so talented and such a good player. He played fantastic for them in his rookie season, but I still think there's room for a little bit more help. And I have one of the, what another guy that I think could be one of the best players. This is a good draft class, it's, like I said, especially off the edge in the offensive line. I think there's a lot of guys at both those positions that you look at and you're like, well, I mean, if everything works out right, you're looking at, yeah, like a 99 overall player on Madden. Uh, and Jermaine Johnson is one of those potential players. I mean, it's crazy to think, first of all, he should have been on that Georgia defense and he had to transfer out to get some playing time and oh wait yeah cements himself as yes one of the best edge rushers in this class I mean what he did at Florida State last year was incredible and then at the senior bowl to dominate the way that he did I mean man this guy looks special he looks really really special and and I really think about him with that quick twitch that he has of his and the versatility I mean he's almost one of those guys who's a tweener you know, how do you bring him off the edge? I, I will worry about that later. I just know I want him coming off of the edge. And I think the Ravens, they draft so well. They know what's up. And I think they know this is a strong class. Now, we don't necessarily have the biggest need at edge, but you could always go for more edge rushers. And and Jermaine Johnson at 14 is an absolute steal. Yeah, uh, I like Jermaine Johnson. Uh, that's why I have him going top 10. I really like him as a prospect, a really good D end. Like I said, I think he lacks a little bit of pass rush ability, but I think if he does go to Baltimore, that's going to be a scary defense. Yeah, absolutely. It will. And I'll let you take 15 first. Oh, well, why? Thank you. I may have talked up a certain someone earlier in this episode and I happen to have saved him for here. <laughs> Trent McDuffie becoming an Eagles player. I, I see – I said it earlier. There's a, The only worry that I have is that maybe Trent McDuffie gets limited to the nickel position. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Trent McDuffie can, is going to succeed inside or outside, wherever your defense needs him most, is I think the most fitting place 
for Trent McDuffie. For one, he's don't let him being undersized fool you. He is physical as hell. I mean, I think he could almost play the safety position for you if you wanted him to. I just think he's one of those players where you get him in your you get him in your facility and you find a way for him to get on the field no matter what. Even if you're you're stacked at corner. If you have if you're the Miami Dolphins and you have nothing but corners and you're you draft Trent McDuffie, he'll play year one. He he's going to play year one. That's how good this guy is. Is probably the best one of the most sure tacklers I've ever scouted at the cornerback position, which you always can appreciate that. It's a little bit of a lost art at the corner position, but I mean, tackling is the name of the game defensively. If you can't do that, what are you really doing? And when it comes to coverage for him, he's so fluid. He's so mobile. He gets in and out of breaks and cuts so well. I I just have seen him in so few situations that he couldn't, couldn't, you know, stick with guys and I think that bodes so well for him. And he just seems to have his head on the right way. I just, like I said, he's another one of those guys that I think there's no way he doesn't pan out. I definitely see that. That's why I like him to Minnesota. And the guy you already talked up uh, for the Texans, Jordan Davis going here. My, oh my, is this guy an absolute animal? Just four, seven, eight is a 300 pound lineman. I mean, you don't see that every other, you don't see that every day. That's like a once in a lifetime kind of athlete. And like you said, with Fletcher Cox only being on a one year deal, they need a defensive tackle to come in. Jordan Davis is that guy. He's an absolute freak of an athlete. I mean, he was the superstar of that Georgia defense. People yeah. uh, debate between him, uh, Trevon Walker, but Kobe Dean. Yeah. Yeah. But it, he is the man of that defense. And if he falls to 15, I'm scared. <laughs> well, first of all, let me say, I, I really appreciate you giving us a player like that. <laughs> but, no, I, I do think if, if he's there, I expect the Eagles to pull the trigger. I, I will I just – they made they, there was moves. And, I, well, I'll be honest, I don't know if it's him or it could be another guy that we will talk about once we um, – for me, at least, once we switch into our next uh, half segment of it. But there, there was multiple things that could have been done there. But I do think that if Jordan Davis is on the board, I know my Eagles better than anybody. They will draft a defensive lineman <laughs> every year of the draft if there's one available for them. So one of the guys that is the, the most off-the-charts athletic specimens around, yeah, I think they'd be in on that. <laughs> Or, you know, just a receiver that's going to go right before another superstar. But, but <laughs> you know, it's fine. Oh, don't do that. We'll talk, talk about that. Um, moving on to pick 16, we have the New Orleans Saints. This is where I have Drake London going. Can you just um, can you imagine a wide receiver core of Michael Thomas and Drake London? No, I cannot. Oh, that's terrifying. And if you That's, if James Winston comes back healthy with that huge arm, I think the South, the NFC South should be scared playing that two times a year. I'm already scared. I, I'm already scared. I, I went in a the same position again, but to me, right here, the, the wide receiver I had available to me was Chris Olave. 
And I'll be honest, I don't think that there's, you know, I don't think you can go wrong. But to me, I always like to set up wide receiver rooms with a, a bit of dynamic ability. And I think Chris Olave feeds so well off of Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas, you call him a slant boy, call him what you want. He is a physical winner. I mean, he wins in physical possession kind of situations. And with that being the case, I think giving them a bona fide surefire route runner like Chris Olave, a deep threat like Chris Olave, I think that bodes so, even better for Michael Thomas. I mean, he was so fantastic when he was getting 150 targets. He doesn't have to do that anymore. Let's let's ease him into the next phase of his career where he's just a top five receiver with a hundred reception with a hundred targets. I mean, I think that's in line for him, but Chris Olave will get a fair share of the spotlight and will help Jameis. Yeah. Um, and now time for the the back half of the first round. We're just gonna be spinning off these players. Um, the Chargers. I have him taking Trevor Penning. Um they caught Brian Bulaga. And you drafted Rashawn Slater last season. Why not get the the other side and bring in Trevor Penning? Yeah, with Justin Herbert, there's so many directions that you could look to go to further help him. I think they're pretty good in a lot of places. To me, the defense, the names they have on defense, there's too many good ones for them not to be good. Uh, give I give him Devontae Wyatt, defensive lineman from Georgia. Jordan Davis gets all the hype. Devontae Wyatt is more like that uh, Aaron Donald kind of mold of a defensive tackle. I mean, he's that athletic. Uh, Obviously, Jordan Davis is athletic, but he's still a 320-pound man. Devontae Wyatt's that guy who's slimmer, thinner, but is the pass rushing, the pure pass rushing defensive tackle. Uh, He's a name to watch. I think he's going to be a great player. Um, now the Eagles once again at pick 18. Um, I'm pretty sure was this from the um trade or was this um or was pick 16 from the trade? Or 15? Uh, it, pick 16, uh, we gave to them in the trade. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have them taking Kyle Hamilton here. Um, Ooh. Eagles don't really have any safety help. I mean, wow. I love you, Jason. If we get your pass call, I would be like a kid in a candy shop. Jordan Davis and Kyle Hamilton would be scary for the NFC East and the uh, just the NFL in general. But I think Kyle Hamilton fits into this role perfectly. Um, can kind of play that box safety role um, that the the Eagles desperately need. Uh, kind of that Brian Dawkins role. Not as great of an over top guy, but a guy that will be like just hitting guys left and right. Yeah. Um, I, as much as I would love Kyle Hamilton to be on my board right here, he's he's not for me. Uh, at 18, I have George Karloff. This he's a guy, an edge rusher, I think has gotten really lost in the sauce here as of late. I mean, I think he is not maybe technically at the level of a Kayvon Thibodeau or even maybe a Trayvon Walker, just because I mean, he he is he just looks raw. But Karloff is uh, the edge rusher out of Purdue got to the quarterback at a high level for three years consistently in football. And that's, that's something you don't see a lot of guys do. And I think he is an athlete, more athletic than people give him credit. And I think he's got a future getting at quarterbacks off the edge. He's just one of those guys where you, you knock him for this, knock him for that. He's sacking the quarterback though. So what do you do with that? <laughs> yeah, that, that is very fair. Um, now on to pick 19 with the new Orleans saints. Once again, 
I have them taking Tyler Smith, the tackle out of Tulsa. Uh, Teron Armstead, um, still not 100% if he's leaving or not. I, d- I don't think he's officially been re-signed. I don't think he has. I'm, on it. I'm checking it out. Um, but that'd be a really good replacement. And, and if Armstead does stay around, you can move him over to right tackle, uh, move Ramchek into right guard. That'd be a really, really good line. Um, and that's what they need with Jameis Winston coming off that leg injury. Just probably the, the, the best fit for them right now. Wow, I missed this as well. But apparently as of a month ago, Teron Armstead signed with the Miami Dolphins. Oh, I did not know that. Okay, yeah. So Tyler Smith is definitely the pick here. Yeah, definitely the pick. Uh, I, I wish I would have actually uh, done something like that because that makes so much sense as to why they would trade for this. Uh, or other than a quarterback, which I don't have them taking uh, either. Um, but to me, I had them taking Daxton Hill right here. He's another guy kind of in the, not not in the Trent McDuffie mold, but a similar player. He just does so many different things. I mean, there, there's very few situations where I think he doesn't pan out as a good NFL player. I'm pretty sure he went to Michigan as a cornerback and slowly evolved into this nickel box and over-the-top player that just literally did it all. I mean, it was uh, Aiden Hutchinson, and Daxon Hill was not far behind uh, – for that second best player. Now there's another player on that Michigan defense who unfortunately would have been selected in the first round, but tore his Achilles and, and David Ajabo, but I don't, I have him slipping out of the first round, but it is what it is. But I think the saints could use this as a replacement for Marcus Williams. Definitely. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, at 20, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers. I have them taking Tyler Linderbaum. Um, I think if Kyle Hamilton does fall here, they take him, uh, line him up next to Mika Fitzpatrick. Uh, Fitzpatrick is more of that over top of the over the top guy, and Hamilton can play the box safety, which would be a perfect role for him. Um, but Linderbaum, they need a safety. That Steelers offensive line is absolutely atrocious right now. Uh, Villanueva left. Mike pa- Mark, uh, Mike Pouncey retired. They need O line help, and Linderbaum would be the center for them. And I think he could be the, a guy there for for his entire career. Not not a a great center, but a, a well above average guy. Yeah, well, don't tell me about that because I, I really like Linderbaum, and you know it's kind of crazy that there was a believe it or not, there was a point where he was going potentially top ten. That's how he was looked at as a center. The, the center position isn't that important and, and or not at the same level of importance. Um, excuse me. So for that reason, uh, to me here, I don't know what the Steelers do. I really don't. I think they're the prime candidates to trade up and get the quarterback of their choosing. I think of if any team gets jumped ahead of and doesn't get to pick a quarterback, it's going to be because of the Steelers. I think that they're in win now mode. They have the team to do it. They're going to get their quarterback that they want. And if they're sticking at 20, to me, it's got to be Kenny Pickett. This is a no-trades mock. So if if they stick at 20 and that's their pick, Kenny Pickett's probably going to be the guy in that situation in my mind. I don't think Pickett goes before 20. Um, but if he's, you know, going in the first round, I, I feel like it's got to be to the Steelers. I, I don't know many other destinations other than that for, for Pickett. I, they want to make him out to be Joe Burrow. He's not that, but he's highly accurate. Uh, he can succeed in the right situation, and 
the Steelers with the way they drafted wide receiver, that might be it. I can see that. Um, I'll talk about picking in just a little bit. Um, at 21 with the New England Patriots, I have them taking Devin Lloyd, uh, Dante Hightower, free agent, uh, Kyle Van Noy. They released him, which I'm still not exactly sure why they released Van Noy, but um, I think he can play really well in, in Bill Belichick's system. I mean, Bill Belichick has literally made freaking bagman superstars. So I think going to the Patriots would definitely be a, a really good place for him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. For me, I have a guy that you should, uh, called out earlier, and that's Trevor Penning. I, I think the Patriots do so, so well on the offensive line. And, and to me, I had a rush on other positions, and you know that's how these things work. In, in the NFL draft, there's always a rush on a position and other teams start to freak out and, and realize, oh, if I'm going to get this guy, I got to get him now. Because of the depth that offensive tack or offensive lineman and, and wide receiver and edge rusher, there's going to be great guys that fall down. And to me, it just happened to be Trevor Penning. The Patriots are a smart enough team to just scoop him up with no questions asked right here. I mean, they, ha- they experience more offensive lineman attrition than anybody in the league. And they draft so well at it. So it only feels perfect that Trevor Penning is right here for the Patriots taking. Yep. Um, now up next, we have the Green Bay Packers. And I'm praying to God they take a receiver. And I have them taking Christian Watson right here. And a freaking FCS guy, but he looks really, really good. That senior bowl performance was phenomenal. He's a 6'4 guy. They traded away Devontae Adams. They let go of MVS. Aaron Rodgers literally has no one to throw to right now. And if they don't take a receiver, I think Rodgers is literally just going to retire. The thing for me is that I, he's, he signed that contract. I think he intends to play. And I think that they will address the wide receiver position. My only thing is when. So Devontae Adams wasn't even a first-round pick. And historically, they get the best value out of receivers – that they draft later. I mean, granted, they just don't. <laughs> it would make sense because they don't draft wide receivers. But that, that's how the numbers would seem to back up. So I wouldn't be surprised if they look to go that route again. And Christian Watson is certainly an interesting one here. But I have them taking one as well. I just – I'm with you at this point. They have put it off for too many years in a row. This year you got to take one. And it's a deep draft for it. So in my opinion, hopefully there's still one here. I mean, in the real draft, I mean, with trades and everything, you never know. You never, never know, especially with how good these wide receivers are. I think everybody's come to realize that receivers are highly valuable and having a lot of good ones always helps. For me, I have them take a Traylon Burks. Now, in that, to me, he's the closest in the Debo clone exactly because the, the body type and mold, I think, match up the most. I'm a big Burks fan. Now, I know the athletic testing and everything wasn't exactly what we all thought it was going to be, but we thought it was going to be insane because of the way he plays. Now, we're talking about an SEC wide receiver that consistently got separation, consistently won with physicality, and a guy who just never backed down and had probably the best season besides Jamison Williams. So, for me, it's tough here, but I have to have the Packers taking Traylon Burks and I still have Jamison Williams on the board. And he's another guy that I think it could easily be the pick here. Well, now moving on to the 23rd pick, 
Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, they lost Chandler Jones. They need an edge rusher. I haven't taken George Carlos. Uh, yeah. Absolute monster at Purdue. Seven and a half tackles for loss. Really good pass rusher. I, I They need someone to replace Chandler Jones. Um, yeah. I think this is probably the best guy on the board for that. And if he falls here, that'd be a, a really, really good steal. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, if he's on the board, I think that this would be a great position to, to look to take him. But for me here, I, I don't know. With everything that's happened with a Kyler Murray this offseason, the best way outside of drafting uh, a, an actual wide receiver to make him happy is to get him another big boy up front. And I have them taking Kenyon Green. He's another – uh, kind of it, it, similar to Iggy Aquanu in the way that he's flexible between the interior offensive line or the or the, on the outside. I do think he can play both. Better suited definitely for the inside, but no matter what, he'll be helping this Cardinals offensive line for years to come. And th- that's something that, like I said, will make Kyler Murray happy. Yeah. Um, now on to the 24th pick. And while I wish I could just void this pick on general, on, on favor, I wish – but sadly, I have to make a pick for the Cowboys. And I haven't taken Zion Johnson. Um, okay. Tackle out of Boston College, but he is a very, very small tackle. Um, I see him playing more of a guard role. And with Zach Martin declining, I think he really comes into that role. And Connor Williams is uh, – I'm pretty sure he's also off the team. I'm not sure if he's still there, but – Connor Williams I, is gone. Can't all right, never mind. Please. Um, so Zion Johnson could play tackle or guard, but I think his skill set and his, his size in general just forces him more to play that guard role in the NFL. Yeah. Um, where is he? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, he signed with the Dolphins as well. <laughs> um, but getting back to the Cowboys pick, I have them going offensive line as well. And I have Tyler Linderbaum here. Uh, I, I know it's the annoying trope that the, the the Yankees just have offensive linemen that are really good. And I guess as long as they're not winning anything that means anything, I'll keep giving it to them. <laughs> so Tyler Linderbaum, probably the best, probably, yeah, I'll say the best center prospect I've seen in a long, long time. I mean, he's just an absolute mauler. Not a fit for every team, though. He's zone only. It's not like I have the best center I've ever seen falling to 24 for no reason. He's a tough one to peg because there's only a couple of schemes in the NFL that would fit really well for him. Uh, the 49ers are one where he – I mean, they'd probably, they probably might make him the number one pick in the draft. <laughs> but uh, the, they don't have a pick in the entire first round. So they don't really have a huge need at, at, at center. But the Cowboys do, and I think he fits well with them. Well, now on to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I, they have a, a need at cornerback. Um, yes. I will say that. Uh, Tredavious White injury is still very scary. Uh, Terion Johnson, Dane Jackson, they don't really have anything there, um, to say the least. So I haven't taken Andrew Booth. Uh, Ooh, Andrew Booth yeah. Jr. out of Clemson. I really like his intangibles. He's a really, really good man-to-man guy. Um he, he can play some zone, but he's more of that lockdown guy. Um, I don't know how that's truly going to fit into the Bills system. I know they like to run a lot of zone, um, but they do run some man with Jadavius White. So I think they can they can get that man-to-man kind of going. 
Um, but I really like Andrew Booth. Six foot, 195. Really, really good size for a corner. Um, maybe you want to put a little more weight on him uh, for some of these bigger receivers in the league, but he he is very, very good. Yeah, for me here at the Bills, it's been too long since they've had a capable runner. Uh, I feel like they've done a lot to try and get the most out of uh, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. It hasn't really happened. I, I take Kenneth Walker here, and I wouldn't think too much about it. it. It's cute, everything that Josh Allen has done, but realistically, if you want this guy to be the face of your franchise, you you should not even think about allowing him to be hit that many times. So I, I would try to do everything in our power to keep him from having to run so much and getting him Kenneth Walker right here in the first. And they're probably the one team that could get away with taking a running back in the first because, like, they yes, they have a need at corner. Andrew Booth would be an incredible pick for them here. But, like I said, offensively looking out for Josh Allen in the long run, the lessening the hits on him, and this is the easiest way to do it without going offensive line right here. It's getting him a capable runner. Oh, yeah, I can definitely see that. Um it's it's up in the air, but I think corner and running back are probably the two biggest needs for this team. Um, but now at pick 26, the Tennessee Titans, this is where I have Kenny Pickett falling. Um, me, we have been very, uh, what's the word? Um, expressive about our feeling on Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> I was wondering how you um, wanted to fill that blank. <laughs> expressive on, on our feeling on him. And he is not the quarterback of the future for the Titans. Kenny Pickett, I don't still don't know how to feel about him at the NFL level, but I think he has more talent to him than Ryan Tannehill does. He has a bigger ceiling, um, to say the least. Small hands definitely is a little worrying for that quarterback position, but if he falls here, it's between wide receiver and, and quarterback for this Titans team, I think. I like Traylon Burks here if he falls, but I think Kenny Pickett would be a better acquisition. Yeah, there's multiple places that, you know, you could look to go here. To me, I have him taking N'Kobe Dean. I think the Titans uh, definitely realize the importance uh, of defense, and N'Kobe Dean is pound for pound arguably the best player in this entire draft defensively. If I thought the Eagles would take a linebacker in round one, which – I don't know if we'll ever do that. I would love to mock us him, but I don't think it's a realistic possibility, but I think the Titans will realize what a winning football player looks like is specifically defensively. And I think he fits their kind of tone. And I think he'd help anybody up the middle, but the Titans here at 26, are going to be really happy. Um, and now on to pick 27 with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I haven't taken Kenyon green. Um, they lost. Oh, I can't remember the guards names. Oh, uh, but they brought in Shaq Mason. So that's another uh, uh, player back with Tom Brady. They still have a full a hole up front. I think Kenyon Green can fit in well with that. A nice guard at Texas A&M. Playing at a big conference. Um, he did play tackle at Texas A&M. But when you have Tristan Worse on the left side, you're going to move Kenyon Green inside. I think he can play the guard position. He is a bit smaller. Uh, coming in at 6'4", 325. I, I think Tristan Worse is like 6'6", 340, something like that. Um, uh, a well-rounded guy. Um, I think he's more of the, the passing uh, pass blocker than a run blocker, but 
you have Tom Brady in the backfield, so pass heavy offense wherever you go. Yeah, I, I am addressing the same position, and I have them taking Zion Johnson out of Boston College. You talked about him earlier. He's definitely more fit to play the offensive guard position, and I think that's where he slides in as a perfect fit for this Bucks team. Um, I, I'd really be interested in seeing, you know, what he could potentially do with this team. I mean, it potentially creating one of the best offensive lines in all of football, which is what you need with a Tom Brady team, I'll be honest, because – not even that it was the case really this season, but you just know as as he continues to age and get older, I mean, he's not going to get any more athletic. That That is just the case. And so you got to keep him upright, and, and he's your whole team. So, yeah, protect him at all costs. Um, Now at pick 28, the Green Bay Packers once again, I have them taking Travis Jones. Um, Ooh, I love that pick, Jason. I mean, since what? B.J. Raji? They haven't had a good nose tackle. Well, Kenny Clark is pretty. Kenny good. Clark is, I find run he's stuff. not really more. He he's good against the run. Yeah, but Travis Jones and Kenny Clark together in that four yeah. three defense, that's really good. Um, I, I know a lot of people are, ta- are saying David Ajobo here. They don't need a pass rusher. They have Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary on uh, on the outsides. Get your get your run defense settled with Travis Jones next to Kenny Clark, you're set. I love that pick right here for me. I have them going with Devin Lloyd. Uh, he's just another excellent box player that I think, you know, every team wants and needs. And I think the fact that he's here, I think this is a good linebacker class as well. And the fact that, like I said, we're here and I didn't have our first one being taken until 26. And there's still another linebacker that some people would arguably debate as being much better, and I, I do think he's better in certain aspects. But for him to still be on the board is just a travesty. I have the Packers swooping him up. I don't know where they choose to address that second position. Uh, obviously, we all expect one of them to be wide receiver. But having addressed that pick one here at pick two, I don't know which way where you exactly you go. I think offensive line could be, potentially be in play, but ultimately I haven't taken Devin Lord. I mean, he's just too good at, in the middle of a defense to not hear his name called round one. Um, now on to the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they take their Tyreek Hill replacement in Jahan Jod- in Jahan Dotson. Um, they brought in Juju, they brought in MVS, but still iffy in the in the wide receiver realm with McCole Hardman still starting. Um, Jahan Dotson had some of the best hands I saw in college football. Yeah. I don't think that can be debated. Uh, the The only issue is he is five eleven, barely a buck eighty. Um, he's but slight, he is, yeah. he is, he's he reminds me of Devontae Smith. Uh, not the talent wise, but like one hundred eighty soaking wet. Yeah, but he is. He has very good vertical. I mean, he would go up for fifty fifty all the time. Um, he has very good speed. Like I said, I think he can be the Tyree Kill replacement. He can be that downfield threat for Pat Mahomes to throw 80-yard bombs to. Oh, trust me. I'm going to get him a Tyree Kill replacement. And if you haven't realized, I have one name specifically I haven't called yet, and that's Jameson Williams. I No shot he falls this far. There's I, – I don't I, – I really don't know. He is the wild – him and David Ajabo are wild cards. I, I don't know. I expect – Jameson Williams, obviously, is going to be closer to being able to play 
this season. I've heard his recovery is going very, very well. If teams are hearing the same thing, he goes maybe top 15. Like, seriously, there's a great chance that happens if everything medically is reading well. If not, I don't know. I think there is a chance he's here. Because, like, it's just because of how good all the other wide receivers are. There's a lot of teams that yeah. need wide receivers, and they're going to look at it and say, like I said, if the medical report's not good, they're going to say, well, how do we take him over someone else that helps us this year? And if that's the case, the Chiefs will laugh all the way to the bank because they just – the entire league just let them do it again. I featured the one of the best deep threats in all of football because that's what Jamison Williams is going to be. I, I'm not – a hundred percent sure how he factors in in other aspects of the receiving game, but a deep threat like that will have a job in the NFL as a number two wide receiver forever. So I think he's going to be fantastic. I think the chiefs, obviously, like you mentioned, need an infusion of youth at the receiver position. You can do a lot worse than Jamison Williams here at pick 29. Oh yeah. Um, and now onto the Kansas city chiefs, once again, at pick 30, um, I have them taking Daxton Hill. I would love that pick again. This, he is so versatile. I, he can't play on the outside. I don't think he was, he was a phenomenal nickel guy in, at Michigan. He is very good at man, but he can also play that safety role um, in, in, in certain sets. Um, he played really well there. I see him more as a nickel guy for, for Kansas City. Uh, they lost Javius Ward in the offseason. They they desperately need corner help. Um, yeah, they brought in um, what's it, Justin Jackson, right? Is that yeah. his name? Out of out of Houston uh, to play that safety role with uh, Honey Badger leaving. So him at nickel, I I he's probably the most pro besides Sauce Gardner. I think he's probably the most pro ready cornerback. Wow. Yeah. That I feel a, sem- a semi-similar way about Andrew Booth. Uh, I feel like he's just so excellent at playing the ball. This is really like you want to talk about the cornerback that could potentially have the most interceptions year one. I don't think that's Sauce Gardner. I don't think that's Derek Stingley. I think that's Andrew Booth. He's got the best ball skills of any cornerback in this entire class. He plays the ball in the air better. He plays it like a wide receiver, honestly. And I, I, I don't know. I think he there's going to be one cornerback that falls a little bit just because the other ones are going to rush and get picked, and maybe they get picked quickly after, but I think there'll be a little gap. And I think if Andrew Booth is that that corner, it seems are going to regret it because I do think he's just a sound corner. I think he does everything well. And I th- like I said, when you play the ball as well as he does, I mean, your interception numbers are going to trick people into thinking you're at least a little bit better than you might actually be. So I think he plays a good while. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Um, now on to the last two picks of the draft. First, we have the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I'm going to switch it up. I'm, t- I'm saying they take David Ajobo. Ooh, I like that a lot. I, I could see Devontae Wyatt with them losing Larry Ogunjobi, but I don't know. I, I think David Ajobo, yes, the injuries are scary, but I don't see him falling out of the first round. The only reason I have him falling out of the first round is because it's an Achilles injury. If this was an ACL, no questions asked. He's still in the first round, you know, even if he still isn't going to be able to play this entire next year. But with it being the Achilles, 
I watched that take Sidney Jones, who was a great cornerback at, at, for, out of Washington, and it dropped him out deep into the second round. He and cornerback is in, on that same kind of tier as the you know edge rushing position. So I I don't know. It could ultimately happen. I think it would only happen with a team that has multiple picks. I don't think you're unless you are you know maybe the Bengals or a team that knows you're going to be you know pretty close to the Super Bowl and taking a chance on him. But to me, I, I don't know. I have them taking Bernard Raymond. Um, he's just a huge offensive lineman or, excuse me, tackle out of what Central Michigan. Uh, I think he's going to be, you know, really well served on this Bengals offensive line. Now, they did well last year. They did do very well, a lot better than expected. But you'd be, you'd be lying to yourself if you – didn't admit that was the first place you should be looking to upgrade. And in a draft class this deep, why even do anything other than upgrade that offensive line? That is very fair. Um, and now on to the last pick, uh, the Detroit Lions from that Matt Stafford trade. I have them taking Lewis Cine, Uh The safety out of Georgia. The, the Lions just need everything, um, yeah. if we're being completely honest. But that secondary is Bad. Out of sight of Jeff Okuda, terrible. Yeah. Uh, Lucini uh, played very well at Georgia this past year. I mean, that Georgia's defense was absolutely stacked. Um, what four first round picks in this in this mock draft? I think. Um, but six two, two hundred pounds. Uh, really, really good in zone coverage. He can even play man on tight ends. Um. Hell, he can be a box safety if you really need him to. He's not built for it, but he can play it. Yes, that is four uh, uh, Georgia players. You might even have – you didn't have Devontae Wyatt. That's right. So, yes, it would be four for both of us with the potential to hear, I'd say, maybe like six. I mean, potentially, there's just so many players that you could hear their name called for this Georgia team. It's not even funny. The Lions at 32, if there's a quarterback that they like, I think they pull the trigger here. Will that be the case? I have no way of knowing. My best guess would be Desmond Ritter would be the pick here. Like I said, Matt Campbell he kind of has like a little philosophy. You feel like you can you can sense when it comes to him. And I could see Desmond Ritter being the hard-nosed, winning caliber kind of quarterback in this class, and that being the – the real motivating factor into him being the pick here, but um, they have needs all over the field. I don't, I wouldn't, would not be shocked if they choose not to address the quarterback position in a year like this. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be shocked either. Maybe just stick out one more year with Jared Goff, see how it goes. But that's the the first full first round mock draft. Um, I hope you all enjoyed this. Uh, I know me and Ian are very excited for this this upcoming Thursday. Um, one of the biggest days in football outside of outside of the Super Bowl and, and opening week. Um, this is a very, very huge time where teams either get a whole lot better or you absolutely hate your team. I, there's really no in between, at least for, for me. <laughs> no, it's that's the only way. <laughs> That's the only way that it goes. Uh, but I, I, we're definitely going to – I know I, we're both going to be extremely stoked. Uh, if you're not excited for this time of the year, 
get excited. I mean, you know, maybe your expectations will be getting uh, trampled on pretty soon after, but uh, I'd say there's no reason not to be excited. This is one of the few times you get to, without any real restrictions, you know, other than the team picking in front of you, get to bring new talent onto your team. So it's always an exciting time, and, and it's got me really excited. I cannot wait to see who the newest Philadelphia Eagles may be. Uh, but with that, I hope y'all enjoyed. I have, of course, been your host, Jason Mitchell, joined alongside Ian Hatcher. We'll see y'all next time. <laughs>